Hallelujah. Well, I get the good pleasure of sharing the Word with you this morning. And um, if you have a Bible with you, I want you to turn uh, just to one passage. We're going to have a lot of passages on the screen for you. You turn to Matthew chapter 18. And um, as you're turning there, we're just going to uh, open up in a, in a word of prayer uh, over the message. I believe God wants to do some ministry here today. And, and so um, really, um, I'm going to do less preaching and a little more storytelling. I'm going to tell you my story. And uh, my, well, mine and my wife's story. And so let's, um, let's, let's just pray. Heavenly Father... I just thank you, Lord. Lord, as that song was, Lord, we are forever grateful, God. And we are in awe of your majesty that you would come and that you would forgive the way you forgave. Lord, I don't want to ever move on from that spot. I don't want to ever forget how one day, God, you changed it all for me. And Lord, I'm, I ask, God, that in this room, and by the Holy Spirit, that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us. I ask, Lord, today for healing balm to go forth, and that many in here would experience the freedom of heaven as you experience it there before the throne. Thank you, Lord, for this time, Lord, where we can gather and be together and experience you as brothers and sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today is my 18th wedding anniversary. Yeah. And my wife is at the the women's retreat. Uh, uh, um, uh, she was actually uh, one of the speakers there. Um, and as, um, you know, weeks ago when uh, we were meeting as a staff, uh, we were putting together the dates about who would be sharing when. And uh pastor said, hey, would you like to share on September 14th? I said, man, maybe God's up to something there. Uh, and, and then when I... Uh, when I heard that the women's retreat, of course, was on our wedding anniversary, I was like, love, you helped plan this. <laughs> you picked the dates. And so uh, anyways, um, she, my wife will be home uh, tomorrow afternoon. Listen, um, yesterday was a significant date too, though. Um, it was uh, opening day of hunting season for anybody uh, who loves that kind of thing. Um, and uh, I, I am convinced that, uh, that God doesn't want us all to be vegetarians. Um, because if he did, he would make a broccoli a lot more fun to shoot at. Okay? So, uh, <laughs> just saying. Um, well, as I mentioned, today is my 18th uh, wedding anniversary, and I'm, I'm going to dedicate this message to my wife, Stacy, who's been the greatest example of this, um, uh, of, of this principle that I personally have ever known. And uh, in preparation, as we were talking um, about maybe what the topic would be that I wanted to share today, um, 
there, there's a way that I actually came up with this topic. There's a, a great uh, pastor and a speaker named Francis Chan. Many of you probably know who he is. Um, wrote uh, uh, Crazy Love, awesome book. If you've never read it, you should read it. And um, he said this, um, and every speaker, or lots of speakers these days, get what I have right now. On the back wall, there is a clock, and it's counting down to the time when I need to be done. It's telling me, okay, when I need to be done. Um, and now, if I only used it for that, it would uh, just, it would be like a hindrance. But Francis said something that really became a motivation to me, and it was this. If I only had the next 35 minutes before I stood before God, what would I share with you? What would I say that I would go from this moment to that and walk into the smile of heaven? And that's how we ended up on the topic of forgiveness Share a message today titled Forgiveness from Tragedy to Triumph. I'm going to tell your story. Many of you uh, uh, probably don't know it, but I'm going to give you a little, a little biblical background on the principle of forgiveness before I tell you our story. Um, and that way, it seasons with the Word. And um, I, do, I do want to tell you that I know God wants to heal people in this room through the principle of forgiveness. You're here because God brought you here. And God has a great plan for you. And it's amazing what he wants to do. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through, 20, through uh, 35, we find a parable that Jesus told after Peter asked a question on forgiveness that reveals forgiveness in the kingdom of God. And I ask you to turn there and we'll read it together. It says this, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall, uh, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times, which was generous uh, in their culture. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times, which actually means uh, forever, continuously. Jesus said to him, I, I do not say to you seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents. By the way, that is immeasurable wealth. It's, it's an, a, a debt which is um, unpayable. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and a payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants that owed him a hundred denarii. By the way, an insignificant amount. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet, begged him, saying, Have patience with me, I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into the prison till he could pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, 
said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers, some, some would say tormentors, until he could pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. How many of you are beginning to see the weight just by reading that, the weight that God is putting on this principle? There's an enormous weight on this principle. This is saying, listen, Jesus said it very clearly. If you do not forgive your brother, you will not receive forgiveness. There is not a theology that you can create to dismiss this verse. You cannot escape this verse. You cannot somehow, uh, you know, try to misapply other scriptures. Jesus said it very very plainly, forgiveness is the only way in the kingdom. Forgiveness is the only way in the kingdom. And I want you to, I want you to see yourself in the story as the servant who was forgiven much. The one who is forgiven much, Jesus said, he would be the one that loved much. But this servant didn't love much. He didn't love much. He actually loved little because what happened was is he went to somebody who owed him a debt and had no pity on him, had no mercy on him. And it says that he was turned over to the torturers or the tormentors until he could pay. I want to just say this and I'm going to give you some things that you should write down. There will always be torment connected to unforgiveness there is always a weight on the soul there is always something that weighs us down that keeps us from our god-given potential when we do not forgive There is a weight released from our loving Heavenly Father. You know why? Because ultimately, pain can be a motivator. Pain can be a great motivator. It is from pain that oftentimes as children we learn, I'm not going to do that anymore. And it drives us in the right direction. But many of us, are reluctant to forgive like the servant. We're reluctant to forgive. But we see the heart of the king. What's the heart of the king here? What is God's heart toward us? He has never, ever, ever been reluctant to forgive. I want to, dis- I want to, I want to smash the lie of the enemy this morning that you think that God has been reluctant to forgive you. No, He has been extravagantly loving you, forgiving you over and over and over. He is not a reluctant forgiver. He forgives and forgives continuously. Richard Foster says this. He says, 
At the heart of God is the desire to give and to forgive. Because of this, he set into motion the entire redemptive process that culminated in the cross and was confirmed in the resurrection. Golgotha. Thank you, Pastor Rod, for highlighting Golgotha last week. Golgotha came as a result of God's great desire to forgive, not his reluctance. It is God's desire to forgive. He is not reluctant, as sometimes we make him out to be. It's actually very simple. Most of you know this, probably have heard it in church before. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins. He's not reluctant to forgive. He's not, if you are not connected to God here today, I want to tell you, there is nothing stopping you. The way has been paid through the cross and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He took our sins, buried them in hell, came up three days later victorious, and everyone who believes on him can receive that forgiveness and that eternal life today. The way has been made. God is not reluctant to forgive you. God isn't reluctant to give, and we shouldn't be either. And this is the great tension. God, in the scriptures, sets Jesus as our ultimate example for a biblical lifestyle. How many of you would agree with that? That Jesus is our ultimate example example of what it looks like to live a biblical lifestyle do you know what he said from the cross father forgive them they don't know what they're doing i heard this from damon thompson his great revivalist he said jesus didn't only die on the cross for you he died on the cross to show you how And Jesus' example of forgiveness is what our life should begin to look like. As I was preparing this, the Holy Spirit whispered this to me. And I want you to be thinking about forgiveness as it relates to this scripture in John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus said this, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also in greater works than these. Uh, he will do because I go to my Father. I want to say to you that in charismatic and Pentecostal circles, we think that is only healing the sick, opening the eyes of the blind. We think that that, it, that is the deaf ears opening, that the lame will walk, and all of those things are true. Jesus did all of those things, and I believe God has called us to those kind of things. But I believe it also applies to forgiveness. He said, what you, the works that I do, you, me, all of us, we're going to do those works. Now listen, God isn't reluctant to forgive and we shouldn't be either. Here's God's command to all of us, alright? This is very simple. God's command to all of us, write it down, forgive. 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 
Hear the plea of heaven, forgive. Hear the theme of the scripture, forgive. Hear the voice of God calling you into freedom, saying, forgive. Forgive. It's the command to all of us. And here is the principle that sometimes that we miss when it comes to God's commands in the Scripture. Behind every command of God, there is always a blessing. Every command of God, there is always a blessing, a benefit, a a, a presence, a reward. There is always something connected from the, here's the command of God and here's the blessing of God. I could walk through any of them and show you how that there is a blessing behind every command. Don't commit adultery. So if you don't commit adultery, the blessing of God is that you can actually have an amazing marriage. Don't worship other gods. Why? Because he's offering you a real one with a real God so you don't become mute and dumb like the idols that you are worshiping. Behind every command of God is the blessing of God. And today I'm just going to give you I'm going to tell you a story, but I'm going to give you three very, very, very simple truths about forgiveness. I want you to understand something about forgiveness and its nature. It's much like the Word of God. The first thing I want to highlight to you today is forgiveness is a seed. Forgiveness is a seed. And I I believe that Galatians chapter 6 is probably one of the most telling scriptures when it comes to sowing spiritual seeds. It says this, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary. While doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. That sounds like forgiveness, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I want you to see forgiveness as a seed because Christ says it himself in the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. He says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, that's the seed, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. You reap that. But if you do not forgive men, that's a seed, their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. That's a harvest. That's a harvest. Guys, sowing and reaping hasn't been canceled by the grace of God. It is a kingdom principle, and I want to say, and I I pray that something starts shaking in your core. If there is aught that you have against anybody on this planet, please, maybe they're not even on the planet anymore. I, I beg you today, release them in forgiveness and sow that seed and watch the freedom that comes. The second truth that I want to give you about forgiveness is this. Forgiveness is a key. Forgiveness is a key. 
Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of redemption. Redemption is a a great word. It means to buy back with the intent to restore. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks redemption. It means to buy back with the intent to restore. So for us, when we gave our lives to Christ, He buys us back from the slave market of sin. And it unlocks redemption for us. Um, There's a reason why I say forgiveness is a, a key over the years of counseling and talking to many young people uh, who've gone through a lot of things um, some of it their fault most of it probably not here's what I found I found that anyone who is in unforgiveness is in a personal prison and the lie is That the person who has offended them, the person who has hurt them, as long as they stay angry, that person is in prison. Not true. Not true at all. No, see, unforgiveness is a personal prison. You step into the box of unforgiveness and the door slams shut. And we shout as prisoners from behind the bars. I want to say this to you. You can come out of that prison cell anytime you want because God's given you the key. Unlock the door from the inside and be free through forgiveness. Unlock the door and be free. See, unforgiveness is a personal prison and God gives you the key. Look at this. I can prove to you that it is a personal prison. Hebrews chapter 12, it says this. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which none will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest any of you fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become defiled. Listen to what this says. It says it is a bitter root inside of someone. It is a personal prison of bitterness that comes from offense. We cannot hold people who have offended us, people we don't like. We can't hold them. It's actually us holding us when we don't forgive I want to make this statement. I was in prayer and I felt like the Lord said this. Offense is the unwelcome guest that forgiveness violently escorts out of your life. Offense is the unwelcomed guest that forgiveness violently escorts out of your life. He's a Bob Nadler type usher. he'll get you out forgiveness is powerful 
And I know what's going on in some of your minds here. Some of you are thinking, you don't know what I've been through. You, you, you don't know. And you're right, I probably don't. And I'm not going to minimize your pain. Because that's real. And I don't want to minimize the hurt or the circumstance. That's for real. But I stand on this stage today to maximize the healer. And to declare to you that no matter the size of your pain, there is a wave of healing available to everyone who has ever been offended, who has ever been hurt, who has ever been through a situation, either self-imposed or one that has been imposed on you. There is a wave of healing coming from our Savior that is big enough to set you free. I hear it all the time, but you don't know what I've been through. Um, <coughs> years ago, I used to be in sales, and so I would, would study um, uh, sales books and motivational books, and uh, one of the ones uh, was written by a guy named Zig Ziglar. And uh, I was like, man, that should have been scripture. Zig was a believer. He went on to be with the Lord. Um, uh, but he made a statement in one of his books called Top Performance. And it was simply this. Excuses rob you of power. Excuses rob you of power. Uh, you know, in the, in the Hebrew alphabet, um, every letter has a number assigned to it. Has a number assigned to it. And when you, uh, uh, that means that words actually can have a numerical value. Anybody want to guess what the, the, the number associated with the word but is? Zero. So when we make a statement like this, I want to forgive, but that means you zero out everything. Don't listen to any of that you just said. Because you don't. Zero. Listen to what comes after and you'll understand what the truth of the reality of the situation is. I want to say this because there are young people in the room and they can handle it. And if you're really religious and this bothers you, forgive me. <laughs> this is what the sermon's about. Um, uh, uh, your butt is keeping you in bondage. nothing else it's your butt that's keeping you in bondage god wants you free he supplied all the freedom your okay i'll be your however is keeping you in bondage it's keeping you in prison jesus said one of the great uh, promises, never quoted, <laughs> great promise from God, never quoted, offenses will come. And woe to those through whom offenses come. Boy, let's not stand on that promise, huh? Offenses will come. Well, I want to tell you my story. Really, it's my wife's story and our story together. In October... Of 1997, offenses came. Um, for us, uh, uh, I mentioned to you that th uh, today is my wedding anniversary, 18 years. 
97, we were just over one year in uh, living in uh, Cape Coral at the time on a 60-foot canal. If I'd only been, if I'd only known at the time what was living in my canal, the snook were huge. I didn't know what to do with those at the time. Um, and so we're living there, and I was working, and uh, she was working uh, for the Cape Coral Police Department. Um, uh, my wife grew up in Mississippi with her sister, uh, Brandy, and her mom. And um, in 96, the year that, uh, the end of 96, maybe it was right at the very beginning of 97, end of 96, um, to get Brandy out of a bad situation in Mississippi, we went and we packed her up and we brought her to Florida and, and uh, kind of got her settled. And uh, My wife was, um, man, she was aggressive with her sister after my, my, uh, uh, my wife, when she got saved, she basically got people saved, uh, especially people in her family this way. She, just, she would just say, hey, I love you, repeat after me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, that's what she said to her sister, you know, hey, repeat it, repeat this prayer after me. You're getting saved right now. And, uh, and so, uh, and so we bought her a Bible, Spirit-filled Life Bible, and, uh, and moved her down. But in October 97, I remember that night, uh, very clearly, um, my wife called me in a tone that I had never heard before. Uh, and I picked up the phone at work. And um, she said only a few words and hung up. And these words, these were the words, Brandy's dead, come home now. And she hung up the phone. And I had about a 25-minute drive. I left the place where I was working, and I just drove thinking, what could have possibly taken place? What, what is going on? You know, I thought, I'm driving. I have no idea. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Um, I'm thinking, was she in a car wreck? Uh, 19-year-olds aren't always the best drivers. She had a history of, uh, you know, having using all of the road in Mississippi. And uh, um, <laughs> well, she's a taxpayer. She can use it. Um, I'm driving home and just had no idea. And um, when I got there, my wife said, no, we, we don't really know for sure what happened. Um, all we know is that she de- she's, she's gone. And it happened in her house. And so we immediately drove to Lakeland, stayed with some friends, um, Mike and Melissa Dunn, and, uh, and just begin this process of trying to figure out what happened. We... We're then told by the detectives who came to visit us that this was a murder. Someone had come in and taken the life of a 19-year-old girl full of life, working a Cracker Barrel, just getting her feet under her, and she was gone. And here we are one year into our marriage in shock. that my sister, my wife's sister, her life has just been stolen. 
I, I, the pain was uh, enormous, as you can imagine. Um, I remember a few months in that um, one night I could hear my wife weeping from our bathtub. And uh, I swung open the door and I, I didn't have the words to say. What are you going to say? And I was trying to say anything and it just wasn't working. So all I knew to do was call her mom and just, just talk to her. Um, in the middle of all of this situation, there was a lot of mystery because the, t- the detectives wouldn't tell us anything. They wouldn't even tell us as family members how she died because this was an ongoing investigation. They actually put falsehood and rumors out because they wanted to know if somebody actually told the truth that that person could have only known that because they did it. I remember in the days preceding, the day right before the funeral, we're staying in Michael Melissa's house and that, that night I had a dream. God was in the middle of this situation. I, that night I had a dream, and in the dream, I'm in a totally white room, and there's a casket. And I walk up to the casket, and my wife's sister is laying in it. And in the dream, I raised her from the dead. And she sat up. And in the dream, I said this to her, who did this to you? And she whispered a name to me. James. I'm like, whoo. And then I woke up, and it was a powerful dream. I knew something was going on behind it. Do you know how weird it is that you have to go to a secular person who maybe doesn't, maybe they've been to church, but they would never understand somebody that God actually talks to and I said you may not understand this maybe you guys do psychics and all that I'm not a psychic I said but I do have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and he tells me things and I said just for your investigation it's like the name starts with J and it sounds like James Okay, one year went by, mystery, no idea. No idea who did it. One year, and it was really uh, Detective John Harkins from the Polk County Police Department, some of the best police work done that I know of. Um, He posed as a waiter and waited on the suspect and took his straw and matched a DNA sample to DNA left at the crime scene. Turns out, James was already in prison for trying to do this to another girl on an unrelated charge. And so... When the arrest finally came, you know, it's kind of like a sense of, how do I feel about this? 
How do I work through this moment? Because here's the thing. I got, I was like saved like when I was six, you know, baptismal waters. I could barely breathe, okay? Okay, I, I knew death, burial, resurrection, confess Jesus. Streets of gold are better than pits of fire. I'm going with streets of gold. Okay, I had that. But then at 21 in 1993, all things became new. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like where he became everything. And here I am in 1997 faced with this scripture. If you do not forgive. My wife and I know the scripture. We, 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 we feel the call of God on our life and we know what the scripture says. And we, like every other human being, are thinking, but... But I remember when the arrest was made, one of the things, you know, uh, uh, in, in 1997, the, the Internet was really slow. Al Gore had just invented it. <laughs> and um, they, I, I'll never forget this, they put the arrest record up on their website and I, I can remember we had a blazing computer of 32 megahertz. That means something to Alex in the back. And when we clicked on it, um, the name, very slowly, maybe some of you remember this, in about one inch increments, James's face filled our entire screen. And there we are, Face to face with the one who stole a life too soon. Injured a family. Broken up relationships. It was a mess. And you know what we did in that moment? We looked at the screen. A grace. That's all I can say it was. A grace came in that room, our extra bedroom in Cape Coral. And we looked at the screen and we said, James, we forgive you. I don't know where that strength came from. I knew that there was a command. I knew the scripture. I knew we needed to do it. I didn't know how we were going to be able to do it. But we looked at that screen and we said, James, we forgive you. And a grace came on our lives in that moment. And a freedom came in that spare bedroom that I, it's hard to describe. Most people today, when they, you know, they see me out with young people and that, and they're saying, oh, man, you're just a big kid. You've probably never been through anything. And that's not really the case. It's just that I really want all the freedom that he offers. And in that moment, when that picture came up, we knew we had to forgive or remain in a prison that we didn't choose. And so we chose to forgive. And a supernatural gaze, 
grace came to both of us to forgive a murderer. You say, how is that possible? It's not without God. It's not. You say, really? He's free? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're totally free. Totally triumphant in Christ. Totally. Not because of us. Everything about us says, before Christ, I I could just call people to take care of this. I, I, I know some people. I don't do what they do. I mean, I was 21 year, years old running the streets in Lakeland. I knew streets. Pick up one, one phone call. People from another city would come and just fix this problem. They probably had friends inside. And I just want to, I, I, I want to say this to you. We're not special. We're just ordinary people who actually experience the truth of what's in God's word. That there is a grace to forgive no matter what. My third point here today is very simple. Forgiveness is a gift. Forgiveness is a gift. You guys know the the scripture in Romans chapter 6. You know it all too well, probably. The wages of sin is death. But, remember that numerical value? The important part's coming. But the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Forgiveness is a gift. And by the way, the day we gave forgiveness to James, we got the gift. We received the gift. We received the freedom. Other family members struggled to to this day. In that year of not knowing, there were family members pointing at, at the boyfriend, and it wasn't the boyfriend. It was a psychopath who lived next door. And in that year, they grew to hate someone who wasn't guilty. And still to this day, they hate him. Why? Because unforgiveness is a seed and it comes in and it becomes a root of bitterness. And once that root is there, what are you going to do with it? It's there. You have to allow the hand of God to come in and rip it out. And what I want to say to you today is I don't know what you have been through, but there's a grace to forgive an ex-husband. There's a grace to forgive an abuser. There's a grace to forgive yourself. It's a gift. And the way God gives the gift of forgiveness, you can give it. 
Because behind every command is a blessing to be received. Isaiah 61 is something that's been resounding in my spirit about you today. Jesus came and announced this in Luke chapter 4. Won't be on the screen. I'm just going to read it over you. He stood up one day in the temple and opened the scroll. And I'm reading from Isaiah 61 and it says this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Listen. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Those in prison. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. I want you to know something here. I want you to notice who this message is to. People in mourning. Twice. People dealing with the spirit of heaviness. People who cannot see their destiny because of their condition. And God came in a moment in His Son and said, Today this is fulfilled in your hearing. He says, Today I am going to take you from mourning to joy. Today I am going to take off the spirit of heaviness and put on a garment of praise so that You can be a repairer of streets to dwell in. Those who restore things who have been desolate for generations. Here's what what you need to know. This message is to people who were so broken they couldn't see what God had in store. And when we walk in unforgiveness toward anyone, we will never fully see what God has in store for us. We'll only see mourning. Walk under the blanket of the spirit. And it is a spirit of heaviness. We won't see that God says no. You're called to fix the city. These people in Isaiah 61. They're talking. I'm so broken. No God says. I've sent you to fix some stuff. If you'll let me. Fix you. Bow your heads today. I want to just um, do this kind of quickly. We only have about five minutes here. I know God's speaking to some people in here. And some of you have been wondering this whole time how do I know? If I've forgiven somebody really and truly. Here's how. When you think of that person. They have safe passage through your mind. 
when you think of that person, they have safe passage through your mind. There's nothing ill that comes up in your heart, no resentment. There's no stuff there. That's the freedom that God offers. We, 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 we don't hold James. We pray for James often, I do. That God would save his life and transform him. He's doing life in prison, never, ever going to get out. If you don't know God through His Son, Jesus Christ, then I believe you actually can't give something you've never received. If you don't know God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and you need to receive the forgiveness of God, which He is not reluctant to give today, then I, I would say, you know what, just simply, right now, while heads are bowed, just simply raise up your hand and say, Pastor Otis, pray for me. I need to receive that forgiveness first today. Is there anybody like that here today? Say, I need to receive Christ. I need to give him my life. Yeah, I see your hand. I see it. You put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else who says, yeah, I see it. I see it. You can put it down. You can put it. Thanks. It's very simple. I see your hand, sweetheart. You can put it down. It's very simple. You just simply admit that you're a sinner. It's just... God, I believe you came to forgive me through the cross, burial, and resurrection. I confess you as my Lord. Give him your life right now. Give him your life right now. It's not just about repeating a prayer that I say. Give him your life right now. Say, God, based upon you giving your life for me, I give my life to you. Help me. Forgive me. Talk to him. Say, I admit it. I'm a sinner. And God, I believe. you came to die for me and that you were raised from the dead confess him as your Lord say God I'm making you my boss you're the owner of my life today from this day forward now I'm going to ask right now forgiveness will violently escort out offense there are people in this room offended today you're offended at people You're not letting them go. And I promise you, some of the stuff that you're going through, some of the pain that you're in right now, is because God wants you free. And, and some of you have been through some horrendous things. Mm. If there's anyone here who says, you know what, I need to let some people go. I want you to just slip up your hand right now. Yeah, I see people. God's talking. How many of you need to let yourself go? Anybody need to forgive themselves? Anybody just need to get some, some freedom in that area today? Yeah. I want us all to stand right now. Just all of us stand as we're concluding this service. I want us all to lift up our hands because if you're not in this now, guess what? Offenses will come. And God wants you free. God doesn't want you holding on to anything. I promise you there's a grace to let go. There is a grace from heaven to let go. And you need to just tell them, say, God, I release them. 
God, I forgive them. I forgive the abuser. I forgive the ex-husband. I forgive the one that abandoned me. I forgive them. I let them go. I let go fathers who weren't there and mothers who treated me badly and abusers. I let them go. I let go murders. I let people go who hurt me and abandoned me. I let them go. You've got to open your mouth and just say, I let them go. God, I forgive them. I forgive them. I forgive them. I want out. I want out of the personal prison. I want out. Not another day. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, release the grace that you released on me and Stacy, God. Release the grace, God, that you so promised would be there. That you would divinely enable us to do everything that you have called us to do. Holy Spirit, make this a place, Lord, apart from offense. Make this a place, Lord, where because you took our offenses, God, we refuse to be offended. God, I pray healing over every person who's ever been abused, who's ever been left, who's ever been forsaken. I pray healing over you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For every person who's ever been wronged, and it's not been your fault. I release the healing of God over you. God says, you're going to repair the city things that have been desolated for years, generations, God's going to use your life. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for this healing, Lord, that you've begun today in this area. Lord, you are amazing and gracious and good and forever faithful and true. And we give you glory and honor. Jesus name. Amen. Thank you.